Well, once again, welcome to church, everybody. Uh, it, if this is your first time uh, with us, tonight's going to look a little different than uh, like a normal HSM service. Uh, also, if you've been with us a million times, tonight's still going to look a little different uh, than a normal HSM service. Here's what we're doing tonight. So if you were one of the people who was with us at summer camp, woohoo, summer camp, had a great time. Uh, one of the things that we did as a group near the end of the week was we had a time uh, that was just our church, right? Like we went to camp, there's other churches there, um, but we had breakout times that were just our church. And at one of our final breakouts, uh, we had a time where we said to you, um, our hope and our heart is that you understand that church isn't a place where you should be made to feel bad about having questions about things. Like if you've ever been at a church, whether it's our church or another church that you've been to, and you had a question and you were f made to feel like that was bad, like that was inappropriate, like, it, like you were stupid or like people swept things under the rug and didn't want to get to the heart of what you were trying to ask about. Uh, I just want to say like that's, that's not the kind of community that we're trying to be and we treasure your questions. And I, I would say more importantly than us treasuring your questions is that the heart of God treasures your questions. Right? Like, God wants you to have the real thing, not just like a house of cards that you're afraid to examine. Uh, and so we treasure your questions. And so at camp, during that experience, we said, give us all the questions that are at the forefront of your mind. They could be questions about God, about life, about scripture. Uh, we want all of it. We want to hear. Uh, and at certain times throughout the year, uh, we want to dive into those questions instead of just like a normal come up and someone teaches a sermon, which we love. Um, we want to take some time to do a one-off and just to kind of have a Q&A and get through some of the questions that you asked that maybe might never come up uh, during a teaching series or a sermon. So that is what we're here to do tonight. Here's what I want to say. Um, you guys gave us, uh, and also like if you weren't at camp or didn't write questions, that doesn't mean that your questions don't matter. They're just not the questions that we have on the list in front of us right now. We would still love to get into those with you. Um, but at camp, you gave us 419 really good questions. Um, and, and truly, like, we take your questions seriously. We love your questions. There definitely are, like, themes and patterns that emerge with some of it where it's like, oh, there was, like, 10 questions that all kind of got to the same topic. And so maybe we, we'll select one question that kind of represents them. Here's our promise to you. We are incapable of getting to every question tonight. And so if you were at camp and you asked a question and you don't hear it tonight, that doesn't mean that it doesn't matter to us. There will be other times where we will continue to do what we're doing right here. Um, and try to tackle some of these questions, uh, try to, to try to weave it into our teaching series as well. Um, but tonight we have some of the questions. We just want to kind of start to chip away and talk through some of the things. And so before we go any further, I, I just like maybe you're someone who you're like, I'm new to this place. Who are these humans on stage? So what I want to do is I want to go down the line and just ask, um, introduce yourself. Uh, and what is your like connection point to HSN? So I'll go first because I'm here and I haven't actually said. Uh, so if you don't know me, my name is Drew Walton. And Woo! I'm the... You guys know how to make people feel nice. Um, my name is Drew Walton. I am the associate director here at HSM, also the small groups director. Shout out. Uh, not too late to join a group. Uh, think about it. Who are you? Oh, hello. <laughs> I'm Sophia Hartman, and Woo! I am the... So kind. I am uh, one of the worship leaders for HSM, and I am the new uh, year-long intern uh, for HSM. So, party. That's awesome. Uh, my name is J.D. Lasky. Woo! And the uh, Calvary HSM chaplain, uh, but more than that, I get to do small groups and missions and events and just experience campus ministry with many of you guys through FCA at various campuses throughout the Canoe Valley. 
and really get to see you guys grow and lead your friends to Christ. It's such a joy. Cool. Hi, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve here as a high school pastor. Um, I enjoy being a part of this community because we exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So I'm excited to be here with you guys. Through that, our fearless leader, high school pastor, Aaron Kajumba. Um, so here's what you will see. Um, I have all of the questions right here. Uh, we have a few illuminated that we want to try to uh, talk through tonight. Uh, and so I will read a question and tee it off. I'll be acting as moderator this evening. Um, and uh, one or multiple of you guys can chime in uh, with a response. I might jump in as well. We're going to do um, our best to uh, point our answers back to Scripture because God's Word is perfect and we are not. And so, like, if we just sit up here and give you our opinions, I don't know that that's, like, the most helpful thing in the world. Um, and so with that, um, if you see one of these leaders or me on our phone, it's not because we're bored and texting someone else. It's because we want to make sure that we're referencing the right scripture, that we want to get things really clear and really accurate. If it's like, oh, what was that scripture? I want to find it uh, so we can give you the best that we have to offer. Uh, so that's a thing that will happen. Uh, and with that, uh, we'll kick things off. But before we do, um, Aaron, could I ask, would you just open this up in prayer? Just pray over this time, through our thinking, through um, how we respond, that we would respond with wisdom and. Uh, accuracy that we wouldn't like heresy all over the room or, you know all that good stuff heresy. <laughs> no oh yes, definitely lord we just thank you for this time and thank the opportunity to really wrestle through questions you invite us to ask questions to uh get in with you lord god and so we ask that as we uh answer these questions you give us wisdom give us the right words to say lord god with clarity that will be a gospel-centric answer lord um i ask that as we share these lord god that hearts are ready to receive those lord and they'll be lives changed to live for you. So we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Ray. Okay, so the first question that we want to kind of bring into the chat, so to speak, um, is this. This person said this. They ask, why did God create sin? If Adam and Eve can't resist temptation but are made by God and in the image of God, um, why do they sin but he does not? So I think, like, there's a lot of things at play in this question. First, there is, um, like, where does sin come from? Right. What is it? Um, what, did God create it? Did it come from somewhere else? Um, and then what do we do with the notion of, like, I'm created in the image of God, Scripture tells me, but I'm incapable of being perfect, and God is perfect, so what do I do with that? So maybe just, like, as, like, a, what is sin? Where did it come from? Awesome. Um, I'll take part of it, and then we'll just kind of break it down. So, um... The question kind of like gives us the idea that God created sin, right? Uh, the reality is God did not actually create sin. God uh, allowed for us to have free will. We we're made in his image, right? And for us to be made in his image, mean, meaning we also have an opportunity to have choices and have those opportunities to make decisions. What happened in Genesis, if you guys read Genesis 1, is that uh, God had, had made this perfect world. And then in that perfect world, we've had, uh, we have the devil. And the devil uh, came in in the form of a serpent, you know, and if you guys have read, you know, Genesis 1. And he presents an, uh, an option to Adam and Eve. And that option was to trust him, meaning trust the devil, and trust his way, meaning not God's way, or to trust God. And in that moment, sin entered into the world because we made a choice to basically not trust him. Adam made a choice not to trust him. So did God make sin? No. But he gives us opportunity to make a free will choice. Uh, and what happened was 
Adam did not. And we many times do not make a choice to trust God. And that's how sin enters into our own lives. We open the door. It's kind of like how you have a vampire. You guys like, go into that weird season of like, you know, fall and Halloween. Hall, Hallows. Vampires. The only way that, that, that these, these, the these creatures, festival. right? The Harvest Festival. The way that these, these creatures, like a vampire, whatever, would come into your life is if you allow it in. See, God has given us an, an option, an ability to say no to sin, right? And so uh, when we say yes to it, that's how we allow it into our lives. It was not created uh, by God, but because we're made in his image and have free will, then we allow that to step into our lives. You want to take the rest of that question, J.D.? Yeah, I'm on that. Um, that. That was a great, uh, great way to tee it up. Um, and seeing each of us has this struggle with sin, and it's something that's not new to us. And if we've experienced that in our lives and acknowledged that, and if you, we say we're a follower of Christ, we've said that I know I'm a sinner, and this sin has continued to be something that uh, will plague us if we allow it to take over and allow that to take root. And I think a lot of times the, the question, too, that is begged from that is how do I avoid sin? How do I get rid of that sin in my own life. And I will delve more into that later on, but I think that initial question of um, sin being something so common in our world and so readily available and so um, allowed as we get older, and it's either, um, I think oftentimes, uh, encouraged in the friends that we have or maybe even if our, in our families, and we really have to fight against that sin, but we don't fight against that alone. And part of that is not only Christ coming into our lives and helping us to see a more perfect life and hope and uh, through him, uh, and really uh, being able to acknowledge that and, and say that I know I'm a sinner, I'm far from, far from God, but then allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through us to say, like, I don't want that to be a part of my life anymore, and I know that this, the battle of sin will continue, but it'll become less and less as time goes on. And so we battle together, we fight together, we sing these worship songs and talk about battling, battling together, and Jesus is my hope, and in all these things, these sins that we've, we've committed, we oftentimes can look at and say, I, I'm not good enough, and we're not, but Christ is. And we have to acknowledge that. And in our sin, um, we can say that um, we can't fix it, we can't change, but Christ has made the ultimate sacrifice for us to remove that sin. Um, so I think in God's perfection in our brokenness is the constant story throughout history from mm. the beginning of time and Adam and Eve until now. In Scripture, we talked about this in our small group before too, is just the idea that uh, Scripture isn't something we look at or the Bible isn't something we look at and go, well, that was back then, this is now. We're basically living the exact same time. It's very linear. So it's thousands of years ago, but we still continue to battle with that sin. But God continues to give us hope through his son, Jesus Christ, to not just get rid of the sin, but to recognize and say, I need help. Yeah. It's a very humbling thing, but it's a beautiful thing that God continues to restore and redeem us through. That's good. That's so good. Can I um, add something really quickly? Yeah. Um, at its basic form, sin isn't all these like actions. Sin is separation from God. And so to say that like, I'm sinning a lot, or was that a sinful action, or was that not a sinful action? You can always define sin by is it pushing you further from the Father, or is it drawing you in closer? Because Adam and Eve didn't just do, it wasn't bad that they ate a fruit, it was bad that they separated themselves from God. They chose against the will of their Father. So just to clarify that, sin isn't like, you did like, you know, you did tic-tac-toe and it was a sin for you today and you, you know, did this and it was a sin for you today. It's what is separating you from God and then what is drawing you closer to him as That's a good. dividing line. Good work. That's good. Um, a, a question that came up a lot, it was reflected in, in kind of many ways, shapes and forms, was this one. Um, this person asked, how do we know if it's God talking to us or if it's just our mind? 
Uh, there are a lot of questions about like, what does it actually mean to have like a, my own relationship with God? How do I know if God's talking to me? If I hear him, does he hear me? All of that. So how do we know the difference between is God talking to me or am I just, did I eat some bad pizza or am I like convincing myself of things? Like how do we delineate? Yeah, I'm looking at that first. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk a little bit while you're looking yeah, it up. Yeah, go for it. Um, there's a scripture in, I believe it's John, and I will find it after JD finds his, that says, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a shepherd they will not follow. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples about his followers. And so if you're in this room and you call yourself a Christian and you have confessed with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God raised from the dead on the third day, you are a Christian. You are walking in salvation. And because of that, you are now a sheep in the flock of Jesus. You're no longer a stray, you know, just being out there. You are, you belong. And so within that, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Well, how do we know if it's God's voice? He's given us a book, a 66 book, bigger book called the Bible that when God is speaking to you or when you have a thought that presents itself, if it does not align with the word of God, that was not from God. Right. And so you have a sure foundation. I know the Bible can be boring sometimes. Trust me, I have experienced that. But if you have a question or if you heard something that seems real off and you have no peace about it and it's shaken kind of your foundation, you can always go back to the word and say, okay, it wasn't a big booming manly voice from the sky, but it, it, that thought scared me a little bit. What do I do with it? Bring it to the word. And mm -hmm. that is always going to be your kind of like bowling alley, lit, you know, guardrails that's going to tell you whether or not you heard God or if it was yourself or if it was the enemy trying to tempt you. It's awesome. Uh, one scripture I, I love in particular uh, is from Philippians 4. Uh, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any uh, excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace be, will be with you. It's more like a, a thing to encourage, but mm -hmm. the idea being that like, if you know these things and have an understanding, and the fact is it takes time to grow and to learn and to understand these things, I think part of sometimes asking, and I've had both students and myself ask too in, in moments in my own life to say, you know, I'm not sure, like I heard this or I've sensed this, like do you think this is something God's trying to communicate? It's a very valid question. I wouldn't ignore those things, uh, but I also wouldn't assume. And I think it's really important to kind of have a, a filter through that and people in your life, whether it be in small group or you know, small group leader or whomever, or maybe it's your parents who are, have, have helped you helped you to grow in your faith and yeah. kind of been those people for you to encourage you in that journey to say like, well, why do you think the Lord would tell you that? And say, well, it's because I've, I've been hearing it consistently. Sometimes it comes in conversation. Sometimes it comes in moments. It's like uh, Sophia said too, it's not always this booming voice from heaven, God speaking to you. I know people that that has happened to, mm -hmm. but oftentimes it's like there's a theme kind of taking place in your life. And I think those things appear specifically when we're able to kind of submit what we're doing in our life and our future, whatever those things are that you're like, I'm worried about this. Well, have you prayed about it? Mm -hmm. As you pray about it, people speaking in your life, go, well, what about this? And you're like, oh, I never thought of that. And God's using those people or using the circumstances in your life to speak to you. Um, I think it's another way to, to confirm that as opposed to saying, like, I think it's what God's called me to do. And maybe because it's of you, like a benefit to you, you might just pursue it. But without checking, you won't know, without asking, without praying, without seeking the Lord. And that I don't think you'll know for sure. That's great. I'm, I'm going to just give you a scripture real quick. It's Romans 12.2, all right? So if you don't have this down or whatever, Romans 12.2 is for you to have and to hold on to. It says, do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is his good and acceptable and perfect will. So the question is, yes, like we, we want to know God's will. We want to be able to discern the difference. How do you do that? By being in that word, using the word of God to be a sieve for that. Like J.D. has said, the community of small group is great to bounce people off of. But I'll tell you even right now, there are situations where people told me uh, something and they were like, God's telling you this, God's telling you this. And I was like, that's whack, bro. No, because I didn't hear it in the scripture. Literally. And so here's a good practice for you. I would encourage you guys, like we've been, uh, on Monday, uh, we ended our 21 days through the book of John. And so for every day of, of, of that, you know, 21 days, we wrote one scripture and wrote one thing that stood out to us. Now, if you were doing that consistently and you go back and you read like the progression of what God was speaking to you, you'll know answers to your everyday life and that progression in your life. And so how do you do that practically? Be in the word journal. Make a habit of like writing one thing down and allowing the, Lord, the word of God to speak to you to make that confirmation. So when someone echoes what is being said in the word, you'll be like, God told me that. I can recognize that. That's, that's for sure. That's for real. So good. Okay, so this next person asked this. What do angels look like? So, uh, which I think is a fun question. Um, so, if the Bible is true, uh, which we believe that it is, uh, then there are spiritual realities around us that we can't always see, right? Angels, demons, all of that. And so I think that there is a totally natural level of curiosity about that. Uh, and so I would say, like, to the panel, what do angels look like? Like, what, what is scriptures, how does scripture describe an angel? Like, what, what can we expect? Is it always clear that an angel is an angel? Could you sometimes not know that an angel, like, what, like, what do you got? I see some fervent googling yeah. and Bible. I'm excited for this. Yeah, Hebrews, Hebrews 1.14 talks about how uh, angels are ministering spirits. So first of all, they're spirits that come to minister to us, right? That doesn't mean they're just like servants on a low level. Like they're here to serve and to be a part of our day-to-day normal lives. So uh, that's what we know. One, they're spirits. And then there's all kinds of angels. There's cherubims, there's seraphims. Uh, and there's angels that have like four wings, six wings. It's wild, right? There's, there's, there's angels that Ezekiel had a vision of. And, and, and like these angels have like what? All kinds of eyes covering their bodies. Like if you ever like Google, there's this random meme. I give you permission, not right now, but later on. Google this meme. Like what does an angel really look like biblically? And then there's this meme that has like an angel that has like it's basically eyeballs and wings. Looks like a monster. Like it's, it's super weird, right? Um, but the, the main thing to know about angels is the first thing I said in Hebrews 1, uh, Hebrews 1.14, that they are ministering spirits sent out to serve us. It says they're meant to serve, uh, sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation, here to serve us. So sometimes ha- people have an unhealthy relationship with angels, and in, in some sense, uh, these angels are, are coming too. There's angels that are fallen, which we call demons, and the angels that are not fallen, which we're now referencing in the beginning, right? We're talking about all these different angels. And so the, every, the angels that are fallen are what we call demons, and some people have a very unhealthy relationship with those kinds of angels. Um, recently, someone asked me about some weird like stuff, uh, basically like new age question stuff, but really it's opening ourselves up to like these, these demons and these spirits. And those, those demons and those spirits have rebelled against God. They're not here to serve us. Um, but the ones I've referenced at the beginning, these angels that, that are in glory that are here to serve us, are here to serve us. And what do they look like? One, they're spirits. Some of them have six wings, some have four wings. They're always usually referenced as male, mm-hmm. okay? 
So if you guys are on that plan, you're like, what the heck? No, this is just what it is, right? They're just referenced as male. That's not to say men are greater or whatever, but that's what the Bible does and references them as male. So. I was going to add on to the Hebrews. Come on. I was kind of going to go in a row. I feel like it's easier to... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Hebrews 13, uh, 1 and 2, just, it's very simple. Uh, I think Confirmation? I, I think, I think, okay, go, cool. Right? Uh, let, bro- let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Um, and just that reminder of how we serve other people. And it's, I don't think it's a test. I don't think God's saying, like, if you treat this angel well, but knowing that there are spiritual beings, angels that we may very well encounter along the way, and maybe it's someone who's homeless, maybe it's someone you know or, or rather have come across in, in a situation and there was something different about them and I never, I never saw them again kind of thing. Mm. Um, I think there's all kinds of ways that God uses angels. Um, and I have a story I could go on longer in detail, but for the sake of time, if you guys want to talk about it later, I'd be happy to share a really cool story. Um, but yeah, that was the scripture I was going to use. Yeah, um, I find it interesting that every time an angel comes to someone, like a messenger angel, like Michael or Gabriel comes, <laughs> they always go, don't be afraid. <laughs> Every single time the angel says, even to Mary, the mother of Jesus, it's almost like if they're saying don't be afraid right off the bat, I'm pretty sure they're like a little scary looking. Maybe to the maybe not to the, the or not to us now because we've seen, you know, movies and Avatar and all that stuff. But back then, you know, it's like maybe they were like super <laughs> cool, super tall, super bright looking beings. And I mentioned bright because it's interesting in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Um, the, the word says, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And so if Satan just tries to disguise himself as an angel of light, that must mean that the brightness that surrounds a true, um, servant of God as an angel is pretty freaking bright. And so just as like attributes and stuff, I think that's so cool that they are so beaming with the glory of God that it almost scares people. It would frighten people. And so... Um, I've never seen one, but let us know if you have, because that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, this question I love because I was like, oh, shoot, they're in my brain. Uh, I've definitely thought this at various points in my life. Um, here's the reality. Uh, everybody in this room is a sinner, um, saved sinner, hopefully, uh, the offers on the table. But this line of thinking um, is something that I think a lot of us have probably thought. Uh, the question is this. If you plan to do something wrong and think, it's fine. God will forgive me later. Will he still forgive you? So what do we do with this? What do we do with the notion of like God's abundant grace and our self-will and like, well, I know that God's going to forgive me later, so I'll just do what I want now. Like, what do we do with that question in our heads um, with that line of thinking? What does the Bible say about that? a great question. Um, so when we get saved, this is what happens, right? When you give your life to Jesus, your old person dies and you become alive in Christ. What we do in baptism is just symbolizing that. You cannot get baptized and still go to heaven, right? What we do is do baptism as a matter of obedience, but it's testifying that you died, your old ways died, the old you died, the you who used to wild out, do all the craziness died, and then a new person is existing. Not just that your, your heart's changed, okay, but you are new. You're fresh, right? Like a newborn baby kind of a new, like, like open a Ziploc bag, that new smell, new car smell, like it's never been there before. Like you are new. So the old you doesn't have attachment to the new you. 
Does it make sense? So what God says that he's made the heart of stone into a heart of flesh. It's something different. And so in John, and I'll look for that scripture in a second, talks about how like you cannot continue to live in sin and then accept a belief, like call yourself a believer. You cannot make a habit of sin. It, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense to say I love you and then go around backbiting someone. To say I love you and then go around and to actively hurt them, right? And so this is what I said earlier this morning in our sermon. We said that grace itself, what God has given us by grace is, is his eternal life, is that grace is not just pardoned from sin, meaning, hey, fire insurance, you believe Jesus, you give your life to him, you're not going to hell. Praise God, yes, and amen. But it's also power to live a godly life. That, that, that grace now gives the ability to say no to sin. Gives the ability to actively now live a godly life. So uh, there's two kinds of people. There's a person who says, okay, you know what? I'm going to uh, use this, this, this grace as a, a means to, to continue to live in sin. Like, they actually do that. And so they say, hey, you know what? Like, I'm not going to use a gift of community that God, that God has given me. In my small group, I'm not going to use a gift of uh, like my leaders, uh, people to speak to my life. Uh, I'm not going to use a gift of people who have wisdom or even use the word of God. I'm going to stay in my sin and to hold on to it. Now, that kind of a person is, is what people would call a Christian living in sin. But do Christians mess up? Yes, we do. But a Christian who continues to live in sin to abuse the grace of God is not a Christian. Okay? Does that make sense? Because you're new. Now, there's a second person who, like, struggles with sin, goes through it, says, hey, J.D., yo, I'm struggling. Can you keep me accountable? Call me at 10 p.m. Like, every Friday, I get weak. I need your help. That person is struggling with sin, is working through their sin. That person, that person exactly is a Christian. And the Bible says for that person, there's always a way of escape. He, like, he redeems us from that, frees us from that, from that so we can live a life that is free. So... Um, a person who's living that way cannot say that they're truly a Christian, but a person who's a Christian actually struggles with sin, but eventually will have victory over sin. I'll switch it up. Um, in Ephesians 4.30, this is the New Living Translation, it says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And so what I love about that scripture is, can you sin and God would still forgive you? Can you knowingly go into sin head first as a Christian and still be forgiven by God? Yes. yes. But that doesn't benefit you at all. Knowingly walking into something, God, he's free and clear. He's like, baby girl, baby boy, my child, <laughs> don't do that, right? Don't put your hand in the fire. I'm going to tell you again, don't put your hand in the fire. I'm going to tell you a third time, don't put your hand in the fire. And you put your hand in the fire, but who walks away with a scar? Is it your father? No, it's you. And so I love this scripture because the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. And he sees everything you do all day long. And this isn't to scare anybody, but this is just to say he's there with you in everything you do, every move you make, every turn you take in your car, whatever you're doing, every speed limit you run, hello. Um, but he's with you through all of that. And so the word says to not grieve him who's on the inside of you because God gets sad when he sees us walk against what he has for us. He gets sad because he's a father. First and foremost, he is a father. 
over us as his children. And so um, our encouragement to you is, A, yes, you will be forgiven. Absolutely. We don't want you walking around fearing God striking you with lightning from heaven or something like that if you make a mistake. But by the same token, I would just urge you to uh, be mindful of the effects and consequences here on the earth of the things that you do uh, when it comes to sin. That's awesome. I share from Ephesians as well. Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Uh, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit uh, that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, in other words, sin, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We're raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Um, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Uh, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are uh, his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, uh, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And it's a longer version, but similar to what mm -hmm. each person has said here. And I think the idea that we understand it, we know it. <laughs> I think this thing is like we're not, God's not going to not see us sinning. But I think if, in our, if that's the state of our heart, that's the, that's the posture of our heart. Uh, is choosing to do those things over and over again, repeating it and expecting a different result um, is really a challenge. But yet God continues to give us grace and mercy but not to take advantage of that, uh, to understand that. And it's, it's a humbling thing to walk away from that too and say, like, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to struggle with those sins or that particular sin or whatever that might be. Um, but again, that's part of the reason we're here to encourage you and help journey with you guys. There's nothing that you guys can share that we're going to be judgmental towards you guys. We, we love you, and that's, that's why we're here. And uh, so the things that you might say, like, I've never told anyone this. I've, I can't tell you how many conversations over the past 25 years in high school ministry I've had students share. I've never shared this. But this has been on my heart. It's been really heavy. And those are those are moments of freedom because it's a moment of redemption. Say, hey, like, I'm struggling with a sin. I don't want to anymore. I know it's hurting me. It's hurting my friends, hurting my family, hurting my own soul. And I don't want to live in this duality or this juxtaposition of what's um, telling people I'm a Christian, but Friday night's way different. It shouldn't be. So just good. encourage you guys with that. That's good. The best example of that, I think, is actually David, where David, like, talk about guys who, like, messed up. Like, you're the king of Israel, and you're supposed to be at war, and you don't go to war, so you stay back and watch, like, one of your soldiers, like, wives bathing. Like, this is intentional. I don't think he was just like, oh, I'm going to wake up. And then oh, all of a sudden he sees the Bathsheba. Who's that on the roof? Who that on the Hey, girl. No, no. Like, he, this is like intentionality. Like, this is planning. And I don't think any of us just, oh, my gosh, I fell into sin. You guys do that? Oops. Like, I don't think that. Right? I don't think we just like, oops. Right? We, we make active decisions to do so. And yet God calls David, a man after God's own heart. David, a murderer. David, an adulterer. Because he lived a life of repentance. He used that grace as power, and he came back to God, and God allowed him to be made anew. And so, like, like everyone has said here, use grace, not just as pardon, but as power to live a godly life. My mom used to say, no greasy grace, but grace wasn't slippery like that, where it's like, well, how many times can I get away with this one? But our grace is, it's, it's the empowerment to walk in what he's called us to. 
All right, here's the deal. We're going to do two more questions. You would not believe how fast time flies. Uh, two more tonight. So the first uh, of our final two questions is this. This person asks, what is the best way to share Christ with an atheist? So before we get into this question, I just want to pause and acknowledge a few things. First, you might be someone in this room who's sitting here and you consider yourself an atheist or agnostic or you're from a different faith background and maybe you come into this room with some caution of like, oh, please don't ambush me and try to like convince me to your team. And we just like, we want to acknowledge and honor that. Um, also, maybe you've had people do a bad job of trying to share Christ with you, or maybe you're here because you had people do a really good job. But I think the, the heart of this question is, you know, Jesus told us that we have one job and it's to go and make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything that Christ commanded. Uh, and I want to do that um, well. I want to do it with intention and with love. I think I'm, I'm assuming that is the heart that this person is asking this question with. And so I would say to you guys, what are um, some of the best ways, maybe even just broader than with an atheist, what are some of the best ways to share your faith with somebody um, who it's not part of their life, not a way of thinking for them, not their background or their context or their life experience? JD's loaded. Go out for of it. order. <laughs> yeah. Starting in the middle. Um, out of order. Sorry. In uh, First Peter three, and I love the scripture. It says, um, "It says I could read this one. Mm. There we go. Um, Have no fear uh, of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered." Those who revile your behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Mm. Um, and, it's, and I think each of us has a different way that God's gifted us and wired us to share. But ultimately, all of us are called to share, as Drew alluded to earlier in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. We're all called to go serve and to, to proclaim the good news of, of, of Christ and to the ends of the earth. Um, and that he be with us at the very end of the age. And in doing so... And, some of the best ways, I think, is, is one, how you live. And I think, I forget the quote, uh, it, proclaim the gospel and when necessary use words. <laughs> Brian Howard always says, like, no, like, always use words because that really conveys the message more so than like, I'm being a good person. Look at me doing good things. I'm helping old people cross the street or whatever. Um, but the idea that you're going to be able to help people and encourage people in the way that you know how, and even that in itself is sacrificial and transformative. So the things like you would say, I, I would never invite that person to small group or to church or whatever, those things can be transformational, but how you encourage people. Someone who comes up to you goes, he says like, I, you know, I heard you at church last night. Like, why'd you even go to church? Mm. I mean, be prepared to give an answer. We shouldn't shy away from that. What's the worst that that person's going to say to you? Mm -hmm. They might, they might cuss you out because they don't agree with you. And it's probably not even their own reasoning. I would encourage you that oftentimes, regardless of age, people will say things because that's what they've heard their whole life from their parents or their family or the environment that they're, that they're in. Don't discount that. Don't walk away from that. Mm -hmm. There's so many people I, I'm sure you encounter on a daily basis who would say, if someone would just encourage me <laughs> where I'm at in my life right now, and that's what we're called to do. So if you keep going to school and you're like, first period, I've got this group of friends, nutrition, the same people I hang out with lunchtime, it's the same crew, we sit at the same table every day, mm -hmm. you're missing an opportunity to share the gospel, to love people well. So that question may not even come up in your life because you haven't given yourself an opportunity to share the gospel. And so I'd really challenge you guys, step out in faith. If you say, I trust Jesus with my life, you can trust him with inviting a friend into something or having a conversation with somebody. Um, and it's okay if you don't have all the answers. That's another thing I'd really encourage you guys as well. Oftentimes, I think we kind of shy away because, well, I haven't read the whole Bible. It's like, okay, but 
you've seen God work in your life, especially if you, if you claim to be a Christian. You'd say, you know, I've seen God move in my life since the time I accept him in, in my heart. I've seen God do so many incredible things. Those are things we need to proclaim and be bold in sharing. Uh, and again, maybe it's in a one-on-one situation. Maybe it's with a group of friends. Don't, don't be shy. And I, another thing, I, like in our small group, I always encourage our guys, uh, pair up at school. You don't have to go it alone in, in that. And much like, much like Paul and the apostles would do, that they would go in groups and go in mm-hmm. two or three at a time mm-hmm. and share. And there's a certain air of confidence that comes. If it just it comes in that. If there's two or three of you sharing in that, um, it gives you the ability to say, hey, like this is what you know. We're, we go to church and we're Christians, but we also want to answer questions you might have and have like a healthy conversation. Um, just be able to encourage people and be praying too. I don't know if you guys look get to school and go, Lord, use me today at fill in the blank high school, but That's help good. me. You know, help me be used by you today in a way that uh, is evident that I, that I love Jesus. For yeah, a second, I, I thought. Oh, sorry. sorry, go ahead. I okay. thought fill in the blank high school was a real place for a second. <laughs> it's not beautiful campus over there. Fill in the blank high school. Um, I, I just want to add to that. Um, I, I think sometimes with the best of intentions, we think like, "Oh, I'm going to build all my talking points and I'm going to debate this person into the kingdom of heaven." And I, I've just never seen that happen. Like, I've never seen somebody be won to Christ by being theologically dunked on. Like, and that's, that's not the heart and that's not the posture. And so I think sometimes with the best of intentions where you're just like, I'm going to have, I'm really going to like win them in this talking point or like back them into a logistical corner. I would say like that heart posture from go is, is the wrong heart posture and probably isn't going to lead you to where you want to go. I think it has a lot to do with what everybody's been saying, being generous with your story and your Mm -hmm. context, being able to give an explanation for why you have faith, why you Mm -hmm. believe. Um, to be able to show up with love and compassion, to meet felt needs, um, all good. that, and we're just with a demonstration of God's power. It's good. Um, last thing, um, and I'll just give you three things, and I'll recommend a podcast done by Calvary HSM a few uh, months ago because we did an apologetic series, right? So some of these things um, we will reference, like resources like that. And so John 1.14 says, uh, this is John. Okay, John's like, man, he, he meets Jesus. The whole book of John is to prove that Jesus is God. That's the point of the book of John. John 23 says, and these were written so that you would understand and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and by believing in his name, you will have eternal life. And so that's the point of the book of John. And John sees Jesus, and beholding him, he says, in John 1.14, the word became flesh and lived amongst us, and we beheld his glory, glory as only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And if you are called Christian, okay, Christ-like, many Christian, then you should have that same grace and that same truth, that you are gentle with your answers, but you're still truthful, that you have these conversations with people in grace, and yet give them the truth. And the three things I would recommend, go listen to that podcast that was about uh, apologetics, I think it was actually our first one, talks about three talking points that you can share with grace, talks about how the, the validity of the Bible, and how the Bible is the most documented, like, piece of document, like, like on, on the planet Earth. And if the Bible does not stand to be the, the, the main one, and you can be, believe things like Herodias or Homer, who have like less than 100, and the Bible has like over like 8,000 like references even in history, then the argument's like, like done. Like the Bible is real, right? The Bible. The second would be uh, creation, and we talked about creation. The third one would be uh, the moral argument. That if there is a standard for good, if you, you and I believe that there is good and bad, that means that there's someone who has to make that standard. And we believe that standard is set by God and he is 
not a God who is out there. He's personal, he's present, and he's with us. And so I'd recommend go listening to that podcast if you have um, uh, time on apologetics. And I think that'll be actually the first sermon on that. So good. Um, here's what I'll say. We're about to dive into our final question. Uh, if you're a member of the band tonight, that would be a great time uh, to start making your way up to the stage. Um, so here's the final question that we want to look at tonight. This person asked uh, such a great, just honest, heartfelt question. They said, why is faith held in such high importance? Like, why faith? The Bible makes such a big point about faith. God puts such a premium on it, values it so much. Um, why? Why faith? There's a scripture that I'm currently trying to find that says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so, also, I want to uh, separate belief and faith really quick. When you're a believer, that means you believe in Jesus. You believe that he is the son of God. You believe all the things that I said a few minutes ago about walking in salvation. But you can actually be a believer and not have faith about something, not have faith in a certain area because faith is the substance of things hoped for and it is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is saying, I can't see it, I can't feel it, but I know it's happening because you said so. That's why in a lot of our songs, we sing all your promises are what? Yes and? Amen. Amen, right? So if they're yes and amen, what does that mean? That means that whatever you come for, whatever to God for, whatever you... Um, bring before him as I'm going to walk in this and see this thing happen because you said so, faith is almost like your propeller that's driving you towards that thing. True. And faith comes from a man and his name is Jesus. To have faith means to put your full trust into Jesus because Jesus strengthens you to have faith to believe for the things that God has shown you. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. But with faith, it is always possible to please God. And also, Jesus references the size of your faith needs to be the size of a mustard seed. A mustard seed is like probably smaller than the little grooves on the bottom of your shoe that the rocks get into, right? You can have two cents of faith and it can move mountains. And so it's at such high importance because it is the thing that drives us towards the promises he's given us. Wow, that was awesome. Preach. Um, I was going to add that uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, which is just more expounding upon what he said just now. Uh, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Uh, for by it, people of old received their com uh, commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So, what, uh, so that what is seen uh, was not made out of things that are visible. And it goes on to give accolade to people who have faith in, in the Bible who would... Uh, <laughs> We're kind of we're in the same boat. We're sinners and broken, uh, but God continues to use those people throughout Scripture um, to provide hope, to be a bridge, to be someone who could uh, be used in a way uh, in humility, but also realizing that faith it takes work, but it's awesome because all the things that we have in this life that we accumulate, you think of like the the physical things, like the monetary things, those all go away. Yeah. When it's all said and done, what do you have left is your faith. Right. And so that's, I think that's why it's, it's such, important, uh, such an important thing because you can be like, oh, yeah, but well, look at this car I have. Look at the house I live in. Look at the that's – that's all going to burn away someday. It's not going to remain. When you, when you breathe your last breath, everything you've accumulated in this world monetarily or, or physically is, is gone. It's your soul. It's your faith in Christ that, that alone offers that assurance of hope of, of, of salvation and eternity. Um, so by faith, we do these things by trusting God, by stepping out. 
And it's scary sometimes because you go, like, oh, I don't know, I've never done that before. I've never talked, I've never shared my testimony. I've never talked to my, talked to my friends about Jesus. But by faith, we do these things. And God will honor that and use that. And see that as an example because when it's all, again, it's all said and done, it's like, what, what do you have left? Trophies don't matter. And sorry to say, God doesn't care about your GPA. Doesn't care how fast you ran on track. That cut deep, bro. I know. Well, deep our former high school pastor, Sam's, had a really good example. He said, there's always going to be someone who's faster than you, always someone who's smarter than you, always someone who's better at a certain skill than you. And that's not to make you know, to make light of what you're doing or to say what you're doing is not worthwhile. But to know that those things are, are great gifts that God's given you, but your faith is far superior to those things. Because even though it's intangible, people see it and recognize it. It is the thing that changed your heart. It is the thing that gives us hope. It is the thing we're able to pass on to other people. You can't share your phone with somebody else. Somebody else. You can't give your car and be like, oh, I don't need my car anymore. You can just take it. That's well, actually a very generous thing to do. But <laughs> your, your faith is something to say, like, this is why I believe what I believe. And help, you know, I, I want to help you understand who Christ is uh, in my life so that you would believe the same thing. And that we could spend eternity together. Pastor Aaron, would you hit us with a closing word, a closing prayer? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say, you know, faith, like they've said, is this is this ability, it's like, like the key to activate that God's goodness. That's the easiest way I could say it. It's the way that God has given us to activate, activate God's goodness. And like everyone has shared here, it's by faith that we live and breathe, and it's in Him that we have our being, essentially. And so... Our faith is not in the method, it's our faith is in God. And so um, that's why we're here, to create and build faith that hopefully you would trust in this Jesus of the gospel who will equip us to live and love like Jesus. We believe that once you are found by God, that you will be sent out yourself to go and find people. And so um, I'm going to pray and allow the Spirit of God to uh, just roll, roll over us as we worship through the rest of our evening. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to just scratch the surface on some questions that students have asked, Lord. And uh, we ask right now that you help us, Lord God, to rise faith in us. You know that faith is a gift. Give it to us, Lord God. The gift of faith to activate newness, Lord God, to activate new life, Lord, to change our hearts from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, to allow us to transform our minds, to live godly lives, Lord God. Uh, we pray that uh, for those who are in this room, maybe their question was not answered, Lord, that you would drive them, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit to search those answers from uh, other leaders in this room, but ultimately from your word. I want that, God, you speak through your word and you will answer, Lord God. Your word says that your spirit goes throughout the earth looking for people who are seeking you, who want to worship you, want to trust you. And so, Lord, uh, find them with a point of hunger and satisfy them, Lord. We thank you, we praise you. Just me a prayer. Everybody said, Amen.